Today's scripture comes from Matthew 5, 43 through 44. It says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, I was uh, 19 years old when my heart was broken for the first time. Amen. <laughs> I already got an amen over on this side of the room. Ooh, tough morning already. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just found out my girlfriend had cheated on me. And I was heartbroken, right? And, and there's something about being 19 even that makes that even more dramatic. Uh, for those of you being, amen, again, there we go. It kind of knocked the breath out of me as, as uh, my girlfriend had confessed it to me. And, and I had a choice to make during that moment. Uh, and looking back, I felt like I made the right choice. I forgave her. I forgave her. It, it would have been easy to hate. Hate's pretty easy. It was harder to forgive. Now, I will say our relationship didn't survive, but not because of that incident. Uh, that's another story. But, but it was one of those times when I, when I truly realized that love hurts, that love can hurt. Uh, how many of you know the song, Love Hurts, by the rock band Nazareth? Some of you are going to date yourself that you know that, uh, that song. Uh, but how many of you know that it's actually a remake of an song sung by the Everly Brothers. Any of you? Oh, none of you are going to date. Yeah, some of you date yourself there too. Uh, but I, I want to just read the lyrics of this song because, man, they're, they're pretty depressing. Love hurts, love scars, love wounds and marks. Any heart not tough or strong enough to take a lot of pain. Take a lot of pain. Love is like a cloud. Cloud holds a lot of rain. Love hurts love hurts. Some fools think of happiness, blissfulness, togetherness. Some fools fool themselves, I guess. They're not fooling me. I know it isn't true. I know it isn't true. Love is just a lie made to make you blue. Love hurts. Love hurts. Love hurts. <laughs> Fairly depressing song, isn't it? But We've been looking at over the, the past couple of weeks how we define love uh, and that most of us struggle knowing what love is and, and, and more importantly, how to live a life of love. So we've, we've been saying that uh, when it comes to love and, and translating love for today, that, that we're looking to the Bible to help us in that translation, to help us understand how to love correctly. Uh, and and today we're looking at loving our enemies. And it's a way that most of us struggle with loving. Uh, loving those we hate. Loving those who have done wrong to us. Loving those who have hurt us. And, and the context of this sermon comes from Jesus' sermon, uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount. And many scholars, uh, including myself, now I'm not a scholar, but I agree with the scholars. They, they think that this, this sermon of Jesus, this Sermon on the Mount, is kind of the, the core Christian ethic teaching. It is, is kind of a, a summary of, of Jesus' theology, of what uh, we believe as Christians and how we should live and how we should love. And right towards the beginning of the sermon, Jesus says these words, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor, and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those 
who persecute you. Now, how many of you are really just comfortable with these words? These are tough. Uh, be honest. I mean, this is hard stuff. Uh, they're, they're taking this concept of love and, 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 it's defi- and Jesus is defining it for us today, what love means. Uh, this is what it means to love. And that type of love does hurt. Uh, and, and here's our big idea. I'm going to throw it out right at the beginning here for the day. How we love reveals who we follow. How we love reveals who we follow. That's the core concept of, of what we're talking about today. Because the world's way of love states this. If you love me and are kind to me, then I will love you back and I'll be kind to you back. But if you don't love me, then I'm not going to love you. I will withhold love until you change and become who I want you to be. Uh, And our world often operates on this type of love and this position of expectation. It's an an expectation that, that, that love expects something from someone. What can I get from you rather than what can I give? And we have talked about that over the past couple of weeks. And if you're no longer giving to me, I will no longer give to you. Uh, and it is this wrong definition of love that Jesus is addressing in Matthew chapter 5. The world operates pretty much on this premise. It's an ancient premise of an eye for an eye. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor, hate your enemy. That's, that's basically how the world op- operates. Now, and, and don't we see that right now as a nation, how we're operating? Uh, we, we have front row seats, I think, over the past several months to the world's definition of love. How's that working for us, right? I mean, it's just terrible. The hatred and the speech that we hear on the news that exalts one political party over another and the vitriol and, the, and just the things that come out on the news and social media, it, it's almost unbearable to me. It just makes me feel, ugh. Uh, and this worldly view of love think that, thinks that it's not only right, but necessary to hate an enemy and then post on social media how you hate them, right? That's, that's kind of where we have it. But what is amazing to me is that no matter who our president is, they aren't even our enemy, right? We find it hard to love someone who disagrees with us politically and they're not really even an enemy. Can we even get to the point of loving an enemy? I mean, we're not even doing that well. Just people who disagree with us we're struggling with. But it seems like every four years we go through this crazy cycle of politics. Uh, you ever been on a crazy cycle before? You, this round and round where we ramp up our hatred for those we disagree with. And what makes me sad is that many of us who profess Jesus as Lord fall into this trap of this crazy cycle over and over again. And Jesus says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. But Jesus, what if they said something bad about me? No, he didn't put that caveat. Love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. He is canceling the world's version, the world's definition of love. He's raising the bar, isn't he? Uh, On what love really is. Uh, Rather than, to love to get something back, we're called to love in order to bring healing. That's what Jesus is telling us. This type of love doesn't expect back. This type of love is there to help heal, 
to heal the nations, to heal each other. Jesus commands that we not only love those who love us in return, but also our adversaries and even those who are actively working against us. And that's tough. And, it, and the question is, are we going to follow the world's version of love or Jesus's version of love? How we love reveals who we follow. How we love reveals who we follow. If, if love truly is Greek to you, if you struggle with translating it, then this is gonna feel like advanced Greek. This is tough stuff here. But Jesus is addressing that. He says this, you know, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do, that, do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even Gentiles, that's, that's you and me, do the same thing. And Jesus is really getting to the heart of the matter. He's saying it's easy to love those who agree with you, right? It's easy to love those who do loving things to you. It's easy to love those who bring me chocolate cake, right? I'm gonna love you. Y'all, you're awesome. Thank you. Now, don't bring me chocolate cake because I'm trying to lose weight, but uh, I'll love you anyway. Uh, but, but here's that, that thing, you know, it's, it's, again, it's easy to love those who love us back. It's hard to love those who are unlovable. But, what, but think about it. What if God loved the way that we loved? What kind of mess would we be in, right? I mean, the world would be even worse off. We probably wouldn't be here anymore because God would have just wiped us off the planet because all of us have been disobedient, uh, even enemies of God at one time or another, where we have said, my will be done, not yours, God. I'm in control, not you, God. I'm gonna love the way I want to love and I'm gonna define it the way I want to define it. I don't care that you've defined it differently. We have all said we're in control at one time or another. And if God loved us the way we love each other, we'd be in a world of hurt. And, de and despite our sin and our rebellion, this is what Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God has given us the example of what it means to truly define love, how to love one another. And here in Romans, Paul is giving that, us that example. This is our foundation. We've talked about it throughout this series that this foundation is defining love the way God defines it. And then we build on that foundation in understanding what it means to truly love. This is the example of love that Jesus gave us. This is the way that Jesus is translating love for today. This is the standard that he has set for each of us. And this isn't easy. It takes hard work. It takes love. Actually, it takes us submitting our lives to Jesus and allowing his love to penetrate our heart so that in that overflow of his love, we can then begin to love others that are sometimes unlovable. But how we love reveals who we follow. How we love reveals who we follow. And as a pastor, I get the privilege of participating with couples. Uh, sometimes when the, at the beginning of a relationship and, and when they're starting their married life and I get to participate in that wedding and, I, and then I'm up here usually with the, with the groom and then the bride's in the back. And, and, and I love looking at the groom when, when the doors open up and she comes in because he's all smiles. 
And sometimes I can see the tears begin to come down and I look at the bride and she's back there. It's just, oh, isn't it awesome? It's, it's a, such a great moment. And, and I get the privilege of participating with couples in that moment. But I also participate with couples on the other side. When they come to me and say, you know what? I'm not sure I love that person anymore. I'm not sure that I want to live with this person anymore. I'm not sure that we love each other. Our love has grown cold. And I have to sit down with them and and go through those difficult times when they're wanting advice about how to go their separate ways. And I'm convinced that an understanding of Jesus' teaching in Matthew 5, 43 through through 48 is crucial in both scenarios, at, at, at the altar with the wedding and in my office in the counseling. In fact, I, I think Matthew 5, 43 and 44 is the perfect wedding scripture. Can't you see it? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And, and script on the wedding invitation right in the front, yeah, as you're mailing out those invitations, that's, that's your, your scripture for your wedding. Uh, wouldn't it be beautiful? Yeah. Now, I know I'm joking, but not really. Because so often, couples don't realize that, that the love in their relationship is often operating on a basis of expectation only. They built it on a foundation of expectation, saying, I will not love you unless you love me the way I want you to. Uh, and, and it works well until one side is unable to meet they're into the bargain. And that's when the crazy cycle begins. You've heard, I talked about the crazy cycle with nations and in couples, uh, Dr. Emerson Egerich talks about this crazy cycle. And it's a great book that this comes from. It's a, a book called Love and Respect. Uh, if you haven't read it, I would encourage you to read the book, especially if you're in any type of relationship. But here's how the, the crazy cycle often works. Husband and wife have been married for a couple years. They're in love. When wife begins to notice that husband isn't as loving or as emotionally in tune as she remembers him to be when they were dating. And wife is slightly hurt and offended by husband's lack of emotional connection. And therefore, because she is feeling somewhat ignored and unloved, the wife allows herself to become cold and slightly harsh. And husband is clueless to what is going on. I didn't get a laugh. But that's typically the case. <laughs> One of you is over back there. Yeah. And, but he starts to pick up on wife's coldness and cutting remarks. So he begins to feel disrespected. And respect is, is typically the way men define love. And in this response of feeling disrespected, he becomes less loving, and the crazy cycle is off and running. And we go round and round and round because she doesn't feel loved. Uh, she starts to disrespect, and because he feels disrespected, he doesn't love, and it goes round and round and round, and, and it becomes worse and worse and worse until someone decides to get off that crazy cycle. And I encounter so many couples caught in the pool of the crazy cycle. We have a nation caught in the pool of this crazy cycle. And the only way to break that cycle is to follow Jesus's example of love. How did Jesus love? He was willing to die for us. 
He died to self and lived for the Father's love. But he also confronted sin and rebellion. And and we talked about that as well. The, The crazy cycle is only broken when we live like Jesus loved. When we love when we're not being loved in return. And and remember, how we love reveals who we follow. How we love reveals who we follow. And and so let's dig a little deeper into this idea. Because I'm not sure if we're connecting the dots yet. Where does the world's definition of love come from? The idea that love is connected, tied directly to loving only if you love me back. Only if you do something back for me. Who Who does that? That's not Jesus' definition of love. Uh, this is kind of a half-truth of love. Now, yeah, when we love, we want to get back. But that's not the foundation of love. This worldly idea of love comes from our rebellion to God because we don't want to love like he loves. This is fueled by Satan himself. And so the question is, who do we want to follow? Satan or Jesus? Because how we love reveals who we follow. And because our adversary, you know we have an adversary, Satan. And he's out there working through people, deceiving people and deceiving us. And, and, and Satan hates the way God defines love. Satan hates the way Jesus defines love. And so he's going to confuse us about what it means to love. And he's going to keep us on that crazy cycle as much as he can. Because the worst thing that could happen is for us to jump off that crazy cycle and to begin to love as Jesus loves. Satan doesn't want that to happen. Uh, Because Satan hates healthy marriages. He hates healthy relationships. He hates the Father's love for us because the Father's love leads to healing. And Satan is about destruction. So he'll do everything in his power to convince you that your spouse is the enemy. He'll point out all the ways that your spouse has hurt you and convince you that they've become even your adversary. But it's not just in marriage. Satan is currently having a field day in our nation. He's just sitting back and laughing at us because the United States has bought into this lie that because someone disagrees with me, then it gives me the right to say all kinds of evil things against them, that I can make fun of them. I can make fun of their character, who they are. And, and, and search your heart in this. We all do it. We all get trapped in this cycle of, of saying things about people we shouldn't be instead of truly loving our enemies. We're so divisive. And, and the question is, if we ask ourselves this question, do we want the best for our president? Do we want the best for our previous president? Are you actively praying for the best? Because love seeks out the best for others. I think too many of us give lip service to this type of love. But love that heals, love that breaks the bonds of hate, love that breaks that crazy cycle is a a tough, active love that doesn't make sense to the world. But this is the radical love that Jesus has given to us. And this is our calling as well. If we're going to translate love correctly, if we're going to be able to speak love into this life. And so... Any Star Wars fans out there? Any geeks like me? Yeah. So for those of you who are not Star Wars fans, I'm sorry. I'm just going to give an example, and y'all just hang out with me for a second. Uh, Return of the Jedi. Right? It was on TV last night. Uh, I watched part of it. Return of the Jedi. Remember when uh, Luke 
is having to confront his father, Darth Vader. Spoiler. It's, yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, and, <laughs> and the emperor's there. And the emperor, it really is representation of evil, right? And they're fighting. Darth and Luke are fighting. And the emperor, what does he, what does he want? He just wants them to fight. He doesn't even care who wins. If Luke wins, victory. If Darth Vader wins, victory. He doesn't care. He just wants them fighting. He just wants them hating each other. But what stops that crazy cycle is when Luke says, Dad, I'm not going to fight you anymore. I will not hate you. And it's through that radical shift that Darth Vader begins to sense, wait, I'm on a crazy cycle here. And that's what stops this crazy cycle. He realizes he's been deceived by the emperor. And love truly wins the day in that moment. Okay, the rest of you can start listening again. Uh, Because, you know, Satan will tempt you. Will tempt you to think that people are your enemy. People aren't your enemy. Satan's the enemy. People do evil things. And we should not uh, accept evil. But they have been deceived. And Satan tries to tempt us to think that hating our enemy is good, and therefore, since it's good, it's the only answer. And you'll find yourself thinking, if, if only they would change, I would love him, or she would just be kind, then I would love her. But how we love reveals who we follow. And loving the way Jesus calls us to love reflects the heart of our Heavenly Father. In fact, notice what Jesus says in the verse. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. When we love this way, we are reflecting the heart of, of God and we, we become children of God. Jesus uses this same ex, example earlier on in Matthew chapter five. When in the Beatitudes, remember the Beatitudes? He said, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. When we learn to love this way, we are becoming children of God. We are modeling the heart of God. How we love reveals who we follow. When we follow Jesus, we become children of God. And love heals when it follows the example of our Heavenly Father. And so, which cycle do you want to be living in? The crazy cycle or a cycle of healing? Healing for the nation, healing for your own heart, healing for others. And this is especially important for us to realize and remember, especially when it comes to relationships. Following the Father's example, is is going to appear backwards to what the world says love is. In fact, you might even be called foolish for following these commands. But following the example of the Father may not feel right, but in the long run, it is the only path that leads to healing for yourself and for others. Now, I want us to be clear about this when we talk about love and following the example of our Father, because that does not mean your love is weak. This is not a weak love. This is a strong, tough, active love. It doesn't mean that we should be a pushover or allow abuse or destructive behavior. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago, that love is not patient or kind with evil at all. It doesn't tolerate evil. In fact, it's the exact opposite because love wants the best for someone. And so if someone is living in abuse or in abusive relationships, that's not the best. And so love confronts evil 
It confronts abuse. It does not allow that to happen. It's a tough love. Uh, The Father's love calls us to pursue the best version of ourselves. And I like that. But it's also committed to loving us while we pursue the best version of ourselves. And for loving those as they are pursuing the best version of themselves. Which is sometimes a hard path. Because sometimes they're not doing a great job. But we are commanded as children of God to follow the example of our Father. To love one another, neighbors, enemies alike. In the same way the Father loved us when he sent his son Jesus to die for us. We're to do whatever is in our power to help each other and pursue the best version of ourselves. For some relationships, that will involve being connected with and walking through life with that person patiently enduring as the, as the other is growing closer in love. For other relationships, the most loving thing you could do, it may be to remove yourself from that relationship in order to not cause harm, but to pray for the best for that person. And, and that takes work. This is tough. You know, loving your enemy is not the same as being friends with your enemy, but it's wanting the best for him. You don't have to be their friend. You don't have to like them on Facebook, but you don't talk bad about them either. And I know many of you know that the Father's love heals because you've experienced it yourself. God's selfless love is is what led you to forgiveness, restoration, adoption as a child of God. And that same love can, can lead to healing and restoration in our relationships with others. And so how we love reveals who we follow. You know, just after Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. He goes on to describe what the life of his children should look like. He says this, you are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father in heaven. This type of love is like a light. Others will notice. They'll be curious. And that's when we have the the opportunity to share that love with others. How we love reveals who we follow. Let us pray. Thanks, God, for this tough lesson on, on love that, uh, that we are called to love as you love. And, and we're not going to get this perfectly, but you have called us to, to grow in perfection, to truly learn how to, to let go of our hardened hearts and to allow you to come in and soften them up. But we have all have scars from love that hurts. And, and in this moment, I pray, oh God, that those who are, are struggling right now with that, that you would even now begin to heal that you would even now begin to show them the way that you have called us to live. Because truly, when we we live in unforgiveness, when we live in a a tit-for-tat type of love, we never truly know freedom and peace because we're allowing that other person to define how we're going to live. And we should be allowing Jesus to define how we are going to live. And Jesus has offered grace and forgiveness, and wholeness. And so help us to live in that wholeness, O God. 
Help us even now to begin to be healed from the hurt of love and to redefine that love the way you have redefined it. We pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen.